Um, welcome back to the. Say it. Fuck. Are you kidding me? No. Um. I'm not saying it. <laughs> Legal. <laughs> this is not a reflection. Welcome back to the necessary. necessary improper podcast. May it please the court. And may it please the court. Yes. You want to do, do it again? It's so no, that was good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Welcome back to the necessary improper podcast. And may it please the court. May it please the court. We are out here today um, discussing the Alexander versus South Carolina Conference of the NAACP. This is a huge case in regards to racial gerrymandering that happened in South Carolina. Um, On one hand, we have Alexander, which is South Carolina, the state of South Carolina, arguing that there was no racial gerrymandering that happened. Um, Rather, it was political gerrymandering um, which became legal in 2018. What is... Um, 2019. So what are both of those things? Okay, yes. All right, so racial gerrymandering means that um, you redistrict um, or change voting areas on the basis of race. Um, and race needs to be a predominant factor in it. Partisan gerrymandering or partisan tilt um was became legal um through a supreme court case in 2019 called rucho that said you are allowed to redraw um uh, districts based off of uh trying to get a certain partisan lean right yeah So in this case uh in south carolina in 2020 every 10 years um states are required to redraw their maps based off of the census um and so they did that i don't know if they're required to redraw but they're required to take their census and review review Yeah. yeah um and that's what they did and they then redrew uh the district map um in order to have a republic it republican leaning however during this, in NAACP is arguing that they uh, treated black voters different than white voters. Hmm. So it's this first case, uh, first gerrymandering case since partisan gerrymandering was, or first racial gerrymandering case since Rucho when it became legal to redraw based off partisan tilts that sounds like a really interesting case yeah it really is um so the whole point of this is to disentangle politics and race Mm -hmm. um so alexander was on one side um representing the state and they are trying to say that this was not racial gerrymandering um and that well, I guess let's start here. But the district court below basically said it was racial gerrymandering, right? So now it's in the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court either agrees that it was with agreeing with that district court or saying that it didn't. 
Um, when is the original case from? Like, they redrew it in 2020. Oh, okay. okay. So, uh, I don't know when the exact case is, but I'd assume around 2021. Yeah. What's interesting about this case compared to other ones that I think the Supreme Court has heard this year is there are six questions. So I'm, my general idea, like, if I were to hypothesize how this will play out is that they'll answer yes to some questions and no to other questions because there are six constitutional questions being asked. The first one is, did the district court err when it failed to apply the presumption of good faith and to holistically analyze District 1 and the General Assembly's intent? So what this refers to is that um, they didn't really look at intent or good faith, right? So is that, does, if that happened, if that happened, does it mean that there is a, what's the word? Um, is there a legal error, right? So really, if there are legal errors that happen in the district court, um, then it would, I think, null the decision. Hmm. So that's what um, Alexander is arguing. The second question is, did the district court err in failing to enforce the alternative map requirement in this circumstantial case? This has to do with all, a lot of the evidence. There is no direct evidence, but all circumstantial evidence, which we will get into later. Three, did the district court err when it failed to disentangle race from politics? I'm a little confused about this, but it's all about disentangling race from politics because now political gerrymandering is allowed, racial right, isn't, right. whatever. Yeah. Four, did the district court err in finding racial predominance when it never analyzed districts one's compliance with traditional districting principles? Hmm. Five, did the district court clearly err in finding that the General Assembly used a racial target as a proxy for politics when the record showed only that the General Assembly was aware of race, that race and politics are highly correlated, and that the General Assembly drew districts based on election data? Right. Wait, so one question, like, is this going to, in this case, like, are, are race and politics highly correlated? Yes. Like, okay, so most, like, most of, like, certain demographics lean a certain way um, in this case. I wouldn't say, based off of the way that they're arguing, um, they say they didn't really look at race. Um, mm. and so the race, but there just happens to be a correlation. There happens to be a correlation. Um, and we will get into that, um, which is confusing because let me just finish the questions and I'll let right, you know. Right. Okay. okay. No worries. Um, and then six. So the reason why there's having so many questions means it's not just going to be one decision. Like different justices can like be like, oh, I agree with that. I disagree with that. Oh, that's interesting. Which I think is what's going to happen. Right. Because all the other ones that we list, uh, yeah. listened to today only had one question. And then six, did the district court err in upholding the intentional discrimination claim when it never even considered whether it let alone found that district one has a discriminatory effect? So the whole oral argument kind of looked at all of these questions, which mean 
it was a lot but all right so that's that how long was the oral argument like two and a half hours wow yeah thomas must have been so tired yeah was he um was he speaking a lot he did it seemed all of the everyone was being really under everyone was just trying to get to the bottom and also like address all these questions um throughout a big thing is um so what happened was they redistrict right and what they found is that in order to the bvap was is a black voters voting age it's this percentage that you need to keep around i'd say about 17 percent. right i remember that yeah yeah and so you needed to maintain the bvap so how they were able to do it was they wanted to make a pride a predominantly republican um that's so weird though that's so, like, i i can i can so like they, get it because you don't want to obviously like historically you don't want to like district zones based on like because it can harm certain demographics yeah. but like also that's so weird to be like oh well there's already like 18 like, percent yeah black voters so we have to move it more than i don't know it's just yeah. weird well i think it's because you need to maintain a certain level because you can't have above or below because I of race questions it. yeah so, and also like redlining yeah, yeah exactly so what they did was they wanted these certain districts in um so they put them all in and then they were like oh no um so oh we got the republican numbers that we want right but mm-hmm. our bvap is too high so what they did was they took out the black democratic voters and kept the white democratic voters in so they were able to have a successful bvap mm-hmm. and the republican they were able to have uh the majority republican right so that's what happened weird so they're trying to argue that they didn't use race as a predominant factor or even really considered it um they were just in trying order, to get the percentage right yeah and also none of their districting was looking at race first right yeah which comes into a big argument this is why it's huge because in the past you can't even partisan gerrymander right now you can so how can you separate the two so that's the whole thing about disentangling politics right and, and that's and that's federal like every yeah. place can do like political gerrymandering yeah wow, that's that crazy. was passed in 2019 crazy. With Rucho, um through the supreme court so I think what's really interesting is let's remember that the district court has said this is racial gerrymandering. So we're we're about to go into the Supreme Court. Alexander's trying to say, listen, we didn't racial gerrymandering. This was all political. And here are reasons A, B, C, that there were legal um, errors in the lower district court that will turn everything over. The other side is saying that... Um, we what did she say that talks about the least change approach saying there is racial gerrymandering look why does this all happen that uh they supplied um experts right Mm -hmm. that basically were able to prove that race was a better indicator than partisan affiliation um on the on how they drew the maps um there is no legal error um and as well as other things and then 
the third person that speaks is the solicitor general to talk. So then the court then is asking questions about like, well, what do we do if we agree with this? What do we do? Mm-hmm. What does the what does the U.S. want us to do? Right. If we do see that there was an intent, if we do see there was racial gerrymandering, should we do this? Should we do this? Should we do okay. this? Right. So yeah. that's that's kind of like the breakdown of the oral argument. So so we have our questions. Now we know what happened. So now within it, and feel free to stop me and ask any questions. There's some interesting things, right? So Mr. Gore is on behalf of um, South Carolina. Um, and he basically says there's no gerrymandering. Um, and why the lower court may... Uh, messed up with legal errors is they failed to enforce the alternative map requirement. Um, they hyper-entangled race and politics, and they use um, basically everything that I said, but the thing is, they say if it is left uncorrected, so the if, if they rule in favor of NAACP, what will happen? This is what South Carolina is saying. If left uncorrected, the decision below will undermine the court's holding that partisan gerrymandering claims are not uh, judiciable. Partisan gerrymandering claims can always be repackaged as racial gerrymandering claims Mm. if all plaintiffs in lower court have to do is ignore direct evidence of intent, infer racial target from the correlation between race and politics, and point to malleable expert analysis. He says this court should reverse and not allow its exacting precedence to be so easily subverted. That makes sense. Right. And then we start with Justice Thomas, right? And you know what he says? Well, he says, Mr. Gore, we review this for clear error. And the district court credited the plaintiff's expert and found your experts non-credible. So how does that meet the clear error standard? Right? So now Thomas is like, listen... No one thought you were, like, your experts weren't credible. So Mr. Gore proceeds. The big thing that Mr. Gore in South Carolina doesn't have, which Kagan continues to point out, is he never drew an alternative map or had another expert testimony that backs it up. All he's saying is, oh, they messed up. Instead of saying they messed up and this is why. You know, because he doesn't, they didn't bring in an expert. Right. Okay. But he's just saying their experts aren't right. Wow. So obviously, you know, Kagan's like not having it. Yeah. At all. She's like, well, what did she say? She said something good. She said, did your expert present an alternative study which did control for geography and reached a different verdict? And then Mr. Gore says, well, he did not try to mirror Dr. Ragusa's study. And Justice Kagan goes, because that would have been the easiest way to undermine the theory. Right. I mean, as I hard understand it, this was hardly touched upon by the state below. And certainly the state uh, did not do what they seemed to be the normal thing. Like, if you were so, if you really wanted to do this, all you should have done is just come up with another map. Yeah. And then this really gets into this alternative map, right? Yeah. So why didn't they do that? I don't know. I don't know. And neither of them really came up with an alternative map. But the alternative map comes back to another case, another racial gerrymandering case. When they say when there is no, um, if there's no expert, 
expert testimony, this, 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 you need an alternative map. Hmm. South Carolina is saying that, um, that they need, uh, that the defendants needed an alternative map. No one gave an alternative map, okay. which the justices like are beside I themselves. I bet. Yeah. That there is. And then, um, basically, um, uh, he says like the first, Oh, Mr. Gore says like, cause what he's trying to prove is that with the defendants, like they had so many legal errors, right? So he says the first legal error is a failure to enforce the alternative map requirement. And then Jessica Kagan says, okay, I'm going to butt in. I'm sorry, Justice Sotomayor. Like, and then talks about the alternative map requirement. And then she goes, she's like, I'm just reading from uh, Cooper. A plaintiff's task is simply to persuade the trial court without any special evidentiary prerequisite that race, not politics, was a predominant consideration in no area of our equal protection law have we forced plaintiffs to submit one particular form of proof to prevail, nor would it make sense to do so here. An alternative map is merely an evidentiary tool. Neither its presence nor its absence can itself resolve a racial gerrymandering case or claim. And then she goes, I don't know how to more clearly say that there is no alternative map requirement in these cases. Mm. So yeah. Kagan was beyond herself. So that really is like, that that answers one of the questions that was presented in front of the court uh, was, did the district court err in failing to enforce the alternative map requirement? And then Kagan is like, there's no alternative map. Hmm. Um, So then they go on and then it seems like he doesn't even really know what his side is. Like he's saying like, his... Mr. Gore, the plaintiff's uh, attorney, is basically saying the whole time, like, oh, like, we didn't racial gerrymander because the district court came to the wrong conclusion, which pisses the justices off because they're like, we're not here. That's not their job. Yeah, Exactly. So he's trying to prove that there were legal errors. And if there are through the district court, then they can go back and overturn it, I guess, and like keep trying the case isn't that like the appeals court job like isn't that's not the like, supreme court's job that's like appellate it I, seems I like. think so but they're pissed well because this is at the end of the day a racial gerrymandering case right mm-hmm. these are big deals wait can you hand it to me Here, move the um, 
Okay. So where were we? All right. So Justice Jackson says something interesting. Trying to understand what his legal, because he goes in, and apparently his legal argument is that there are all his arguments are based off of this legal error and clear error standard. Mm-hmm. And even Alito goes like, I thought. He goes, I thought your. I thought your argument was that at least as a practical matter in a case in which there is no direct evidence or virtually no direct evidence, there's no way in which a plaintiff can disentangle race and politics except for providing an alternative map. I thought that was your legal argument. And Mr. Gore says that is. So so for the first half, they're they're all arguing about like circumstantial evidence versus direct evidence versus this alternative map. Mm-hmm. Which maybe I almost do think that maybe the Supreme Court will rule that like you do need an alternative map because it's almost impossible to rule to disentangle race and politics. And it is so impossible to disentangle race and politics when you're allowed to politically for sure. Yeah. For sure. And then um So that is like they're like they do have is it like jurisprudence over that that question over this case like they can they can make it necessary i think through this case from what i am i don't know from my understanding i thought supreme court like could do anything yeah and i think it's very clear in this case that like it's really hard to separate right and that if this were to come up again like this the um, Rucho is only in 2019, so yeah. th- we're... So this is going to come up. Yeah. yeah. So apparently in Cooper, which was 20... No, Rucho was 2019. Cooper was the last racial gerrymandering case, I think 2017 or 2018, in which Sotomayor p- points out, Cooper was perpetually clear that you don't need a smoking gun, and if you don't need a smoking gun, you don't need direct evidence. So this is, they're all arguing about, like, how, like, what, where do we stand right. on racial gerrymandering versus partisan gerrymandering? And and how do you, like, qualify intent? Exactly. Yeah. And that's a big thing that I don't think the NAACP um, really spoke on, is that yeah. it doesn't show intent, and it doesn't show that it was a predominant dis deciding factor yeah Yeah. exactly um however it is illegal um to uh, which uh the solicitor general said um you cannot use race as a proxy for a political goal so i thought what was really interesting is after both of these arguments the solicitor general comes in and then says like what is legal and what is illegal Hmm. and the judges were able to ask like is this okay is this not okay and then she was like that's fine that's not in regards to how far can racial gerrymandering go okay so the big thing is that the 
the map drawer did so one big thing the map drawer look homie cartographer is that what it's called oh go ahead Yeah, do it. I don't think I can come over. I'm so busy. Yeah, I'm working with Isabel on something. That's what I texted you about. Okay. Cool. Alright, sounds good. I have to go because we're in the middle of something. But I love you. Like, bye. Nice. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. Okay. So getting back to this, Justin. So what's really interesting is uh, the map drawer, the cartographer um, on the witness stand said that he had access to racial data. Um, and also the only data that they used was the 2020 election. That's all the data that they used to partisan to draw the partisan map. So it's like, what? How can you partisan gerrymander okay. or like partisan till with only one election? Especially because, yeah. Okay, that's yeah, that's interesting. And I think yeah. their big argument was like that. Well, that election meant the most. Um, they had the most data on it. Right. I have no idea. But that that's the big thing. Wouldn't wouldn't like local elections be more important in okay. that case? Well, Kagan brought that up. Oh, me and Kagan. Look I at know that. she was. So th- it's so weird because it's like you can't try. It's like the lower courts already made their decision that it was racial gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. Um. So you kind of have to just agree with them going right. into this unless there were some legal errors. Right. And the legal error being that they didn't think they disentangled race and politics enough that, but then the experts, mm-hmm. it, or, sorry, it gets so, this is a very big case. Mm-hmm. And that, okay, so, oh, this is funny, Kagan goes, she goes, uh, yeah, I'm looking for race day, which is certainly more predictive of future. Oh, here's what she said. I mean, draws that you not rely on the share. It's going to be just talking about single that, but then she goes like president Trump was a candidate with further distorts voting behavior. Right. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so that's a big thing. Um, yeah, and then they're saying, she said, Caitlin goes, I just don't believe that you are not looking at the racial data that was right there in front of them Mm. (laughs) for the purpose of making their gerrymandering more secure. Um, was Kagan like the most outspoken oh definitely okay cool yeah because she just doesn't trust them who was most outspoken on the other side Alito Alito yeah that makes sense yeah okay yeah did did Justice Jackson said something good she said like I mean to my understanding is that thousands of people were moved in and out of this district and yet that line the line concerning the amount you know black voter adult voter participant 
remain the same. So if that was not what the court found here was not happening, how do you explain the consistency of the line? And then Mm. they talked about like how they kind of did. And it's just confusing by. So what happened was it's like Sotomayor said, but I'm not looking at whether someone was white or black, but I'm going to separate CD1 so that it's 100 miles apart in one county. And the only commonality is that they live along this like I-26 100 miles apart. Right. And I'm going to join those two black sections or get rid of them and then keep the whites there, even though they've got that they're even the through the Democrats could have been moved. So this court has been clear that mere racial effects do not... Oh, so they said... So Mr. Gore is trying to say racial effects do not prove racial predominance, to which Sotomayor said, but the numbers, the numbers are incredible. Uh. So yeah, it was really... It was Sotomayor, Jackson, and Kagan on one side. Sotomayor. Sotomayor. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess, do you, sorry, I feel like this isn't, so yeah, they, but the big thing is Gore never offered an expert. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll get into what the other, um, uh, who was representing NAACP, Aiden. So they've said, look, we're obviously violating the least change approach because we're seeing thousands of guns. Because what happens right. is they like took out, put I in, see, took I out, see. put in. And that race, so then they had two experts. One expert did, um, ran some data on race and the other ran some data on politics or something around that. But there was no one that created an alternative map. And Aiden said that was because um, going into the the first um court going into the first lower court they were saying um they were talking about um the what the general the traditional districting principles right Mm -hmm. and they never even said that they were political gerrymandering this all happened after as a justification so they said they didn't have the right witnesses. They had their witnesses work with traditional districting principles, not to try and argue that it was traditional prin- districting principles versus race. Okay. When then after the fact, um, the state basically said that it is that their main argument was that it was political gerrymandering. So then the NAACP was a little caught off guard and so that's why their experts weren't able to concretely come up with one model that disentangled race from politics okay so who do you think um did the do you think the NAACP did well or yeah I I do think she did well um I almost here's the thing is because the questions that I stated in the beginning are all looking at how the lower court handled it all. Right, yeah. And I don't think that the lower court, it was a three-judge court. Do I think that they were able to say, oh, yeah, like, this is predominantly race because of A, B, C? Yeah. I don't know, and that's the sad thing. Yeah. Is because I don't know if they did their due diligence, which is what the state is arguing they didn't. Yeah. So I think 
I think what's gonna happen is it's gonna return back down yeah to um the lower court with the supreme court saying you have to focus on a b and c because that's what happened when it went to the um the solicitor general basically here here is what i would say to that um So the Solicitor General comes in and she says, like, so she's speaking neither on the plaintiff nor the defendant. And she says, um, she said, as, all right, so where state defendants disclaim the use of race in line drawing and argue that any racial disparities are simply the result of a correlation between race and political affiliation present special challenges for trial courts and require an especially sensitive inquiry. As part of that inquiry, plaintiffs bear the burden to disentangle race and politics and show that race drove the mapmakers' decisions about where to place a significant number of voters. The district court found that the plaintiffs have done that here. Mm. But the court has also been clear that, in appe- uh, that on appeal, the court's job is more straightforward. Racial predominance is a factual finding subject to clear air review, even when there's a politics defense. The court has also repeatedly rejected attempts to impose unjustified evidentiary hurdles as a matter of law on redistricting plaintiffs. Defendants argues for reversal in this case contradict those settled principles. I welcome the court's questions. So what she's saying there is, one, the plaintiffs at NAACP have the hardest job, right? Yeah. They have to disentangle race and politics. Yeah. So they definitely need to... Which there's no precedence for. Yeah, exactly. And that the court needs to go lightly on them. The other thing is all about this alternative map to which um, she's basically saying, um, we don't like that there needs to be unjustified evidentiary hurdles. So I think she's saying no alternative map. And she makes that very clear later, too, that this alternative map that they're saying must be required that Kagan obviously said, like, I don't know how to be much more clear, but it's written that it doesn't need to be there. So that's interesting. Um, But she did say, so so then Justice Thomas asked, like, this is what was really interesting is, like, when they were going back and forth and asking, like, if we come up with this, what do you recommend? Thomas says, if we find no intent to discriminate or there was um, to, sorry, how they talk, it's like, if we find no intent to discriminate on the vote dilution claim, that's what I'm more interested in. You seem to want us to send it back on that. But if you find we find no intent, should we or should we just simply resolve it here? Mm. So he's asking, should we send it back? on the vote dilution claim or whatever. And she says, so our position on the second claim, and this is a solicitor general. So our position on the second claim is that if the court were not to affirm on the first gerrymandering claim and not find racial predominance there, then this court should remand on the second claim because we believe the sec, the district court used the wrong legal standards to evaluate that claim. Trust me, I've read this over and over again. I still don't know if I get it. Okay. <laughs> um, 
So they're saying, if you don't think that this is racial gerrymandering, you should send that back to the court. Yeah. And say that you looked at the wrong legal standards. Okay. And then Thomas says, and what should that standard be? He said, the district court simply court simply sort of took the findings it had made on racial predominance in the Shaw standard and then carried them over. But the intent standard is different for an intentional vote dilution claim. So what they're saying is that the court kind of was wrong in what standards they were looking at. And then the vote, it seems as though they were collapsed into one to redistribute and the redistricting and the vote dilution dealt with it, yeah. Sorry, this is also confusing. It, yeah, it is. So then Miss Flynn says, for intentional vote dilution, you're asking about a specific intent to dilute the voting strength of the minority population, not just whether race predominated in the line drawing decisions. So I guess that, so intent versus being the predominant. So that's like two different right, things right, too. Right, it's right. like, was this predominantly... Um, was race the predominant factor is one thing, but also with vote dilution is about like what was their intent. Right. So that so those are two different things already, because that's racial gerrymandering versus vote dilution, which I've learned are two separate things. I think. I guess. Uh, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. It seems like vote voting dilution would be an aspect of racial gerrymandering. Yeah, definitely. And so I think there's crossover, but they are distinctive yeah i think it's two different type two different ways to come up with the use race as a okay deciding factor okay this was the biggest thing as miss flynn said i think this court should follow its usual practice and instruct the lower court about the correct legal standards and then send it back for that decision determination to be made in the first instance by the court looking at the full record if the courts were to have occasion to reach the second claim so I think what that's saying is I think that if you believe that they looked at it on the wrong legal standards, send it back down, instruct them, hey, listen, look at it as A, B, and C, and then come to a decision. So remand it. Yeah. Interesting. Um, can I ask what you think is going to happen? Or are we not there yet? <laughs> um, I I don't know what's going to happen because at least for right now, um, I think. Well, also, what are the consequences? Like, what are the consequences for each side, depending on what's decided? You, I mean, you said it's going to like go back down to a lower court, but still, it, I mean, it's such a like weighty case that. Yeah. And I think it's also a very politically charged case, right? Yeah. This is why we have seen so many headlines about it. Really? I feel like I have really. <laughs> I feel like, okay. <laughs> Any racial gerrymandering, if they say it's not, and then it's going to be like, oh, Supreme Court votes against NAACP. It's not racial right. gerrymandering. Right. I definitely think there are... The thing is, it's so weird because I do think that race played a huge role in it, right? Yeah. But also... And that's what the lower courts say. But it's not clear cut. Yeah. And also, it doesn't seem to be a decision that the Supreme Court wants to make. Yeah. 
That makes sense. And I think they're reviewing it and they're like, okay, maybe the lower court needs to look at it under these principles because they came to this conclusion based on two expert witnesses or uh, based on these two experts that didn't even come up with an alternative map, but showed that race was a predominant factor. And then um, what else? that the race wasn't the predominant factor of these experts, and then they believe that Homie was lying, the map jar. The big thing, though, is that this needs to be sorted out soon because yeah. the 2024 election is coming up, and they need a yeah. whole new district to be drawn. Um, wow. I don't know. I think, really, they have to look at, going forward, what's the best way to disentangle politics and race because I don't know. Yeah. Yeah what would like like if <laughs> what would be like the like racial impact though um like is there any if this like redistricting redistricting stands well i did see that a lot of the districts there was i was listening to an interview and one guy was saying that um cuz it's in charleston right mm-hmm. south carolina very which is probably already quite segregated. Yes, very segregated. Yeah. And apparently, but the, 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 there's a very historic black town there. And mm-hmm. they got taken out of the dis- uh, the district or they, it is affecting them in a negative way. Okay. And so what, what it would mean is if there is racial gerrymandering, then you will see all the effects of racial gerrymandering, right? You will see the effects of it's harder to... in have your voice heard also the big thing is that they moved out they moved all the white and black republicans in then you just take all out all the black democrats so then it's like it just it just doesn't it just doesn't sit right yeah and the long-term effects is that either a that this can continuously be used as in future arguments if there is political and racial gerrymandering that are, if you can't be able to pull apart, yeah, decipher polit- politics versus race, then there's going to be huge issues in the future. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Hmm. And, and then if it doesn't get decided, if it is racial gerrymandering, it's just like, then... People aren't going to want to politically gerrymander anymore, which I guess goes against the Constitution. I don't even know, like, how you can really, like, uh, I, I, you can disentangle them with intent, but you can never fully disentangle them. Exactly. So, yeah, it is definitely really interesting. Um, Your iPad story. I know. Whatever. (laughs) Okay. Kagan, or... So, Gorsuch said something. I mean, normally if a plaintiff bears a burden of proof, you have to show that would happen, but blah, blah, blah. The legislator should, could have achieved its partisan purposes, nefarious, happy, whatever you think they are, in some way or without doing what it did. And here, there's no evidence that the legislator should have achieved its partisan tilt with any... I feel, here's what I think is going to happen. Okay. 
I don't think either side has a strong enough case. Okay. I don't think the one side says, oh, my God, their experts suck and blah, blah, blah. And that we swear we didn't racial gerrymander. Yeah. And the other side goes, yeah, they racial gerrymander, but we didn't prove any way that they didn't because they told us that it was that they don't have a specific other than the numbers line up which is a good enough reason yeah but i also i don't think that they disentangle race and politics enough but i think this goes down i think i think so much of this is based off of the lower court yeah and how the lower court viewed it yeah that i think it needs to go back down to the lower court for some more trials interesting It seems like, yeah, I don't, it kind of seems like if it's so difficult to disentangle the two, then like impact on like, like demographic impact should be almost mm-hmm. like a like factor in it. Yeah, um, I just don't think that they've disentangled the case enough. For sure. And yeah. uh, this particular case. And I just don't think it's fair to lean one way or another when it still hasn't been disentangled enough. Yeah. Do I think that racial came into play? Yes. Yeah. But I also like, I don't know. It's just super, super complicated. Yeah. Do you have any other questions? I don't. I like have to think about it more. I wish I had looked into it more. I have to think about it more. Um, But... But then also the like the the solicitor general said race cannot be, you cannot use race as a proxy for a political goal goal. Yeah. And also it's like well I feel like that's what they did. Race is a proxy. Like race always is a political proxy. Yeah. And and but they're like well can you prove the predominant? I don't know what they can prove. Yeah. It's it's so, so stressful. Hard to prove. Yeah. And then on top of that you have six different questions. Um. Side note the my favorite subreddit right now is the cartography subreddit it's so good it's like it's just random maps of Mm. things it's like i love maps yeah i know i know it's so interesting would you almost want to us pause and then like you think about it and then we like start recording when you know or not i don't know i know this is gonna be like a long thing um I, I feel like I didn't even explain the case card like that well. I think you did. It's just too many. It's a I, lot of information. Yeah. It's a it's like a lot of information. What if we like take a few cases and we spend time to break them down more and more? Like what if we do like a part two and we like ask questions and then like we go back and we Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but also like I that's that's true. With the big cases. That's true, but also, like, some cases are so... It can be kind of, like, information overload, too, you know? Like, it can also get, um... I don't don't know. We can... I just feel like I could have said it a lot more succinctly. No, I think... I I think you did a really, like, good summary of, like, some of the main points that were said. Okay. Um, but, yeah... I mean, also, this was a two and a half hour oral yeah, argument. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, if you think that it's like also going to end up being like dropped down to the lower courts, then 
yeah, it's interesting. So where are we at with our our favorite our favorite judges? So after let's look let's think about it. After October, oh, after October, going through these cases, who are we most excited for? Who's been surprising us? Okay, for me, this is going to be like a like R worded answer, but honestly, Amy, Miss Amy, is like mm-hmm. has been surprising me a lot. I've liked her. I've, I like hearing from her. Yeah. I always feel like she's pretty fair. Yeah. In her questioning and is always, um, yeah, I just, I, I've been liking her. The, Kagan, I also really like, but she is like, sometimes she's just so sassy that you're like, you, you don't have like the most important voice in the room, which is kind of how she yeah. comes off sometimes. And she does have like really important points, but sometimes it's just kind of like, all right, like, simmer down yeah i feel like with kagan she always wants to be the first to speak she does and she always is yeah you know what's interesting though i've noticed that a lot of the time clarence thomas will like speak kind of in the beginning yeah like and then you won't hear from him again mm-hmm. it's it's interesting like he'll speak a lot in the beginning and kind of get like his first points out but he, he won't speak towards the end it's well, kind I think of like he you've comes, lost yeah. him and, yeah like, Maybe he's, like, taking a nap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're old, let's be real. Yeah. Well, he's hella old. Um, yeah. And I, then uh, Katanji. She's Brown so much Jackson. more central than I thought, right? She Well, she is, but also she's, like, I don't know. She asks, she asks good questions. I yeah. like her. Um, I like her. I don't know. Why do you think she's more centrist than you thought? I don't know. I thought she would be closer to Sotomayor. Um, I did read an interesting article the other day about how Jackson is kind of like, um, whatever, uh, basically how she phrases her questions is like, she talks for like two pages long. It is, it is true. She kind of, she can kind of, uh, she's not very good at like being concise with her questions. Which I love about um, Thomas and Roberts. Yeah, that's true. That's really true, yeah. I think my biggest takeaway, especially after listening to multiple oral arguments with this group, right? Yeah. Is they're also, like, they all support each other. Like, I guess, like, I've known that, but even when I tell people, like, oh, I'm working on this, like, project about the Supreme Court, and everyone feels like they're, like, it's very, like, Liberals on one side, conservatives no, on the other. Sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it, like, they all when bounce we started, off of each other. When we started, I, like, never listened to oral arguments. And, like, honestly, I thought they were going to be more juicy. And, no. like, well, but the thing is, they obviously, they don't talk to each other. They can't direct questions at each other. Obviously, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in their, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, private meetings. Wouldn't but, everyone, of I think. Of course. <laughs> but also, like, they... They have a really good way of, like, answering each other by positing questions to the um, uh, petitioner, like, whoever is, you know, whoever they ask the questions yeah. to. You know, they have a good way of responding to each other yeah. in that way. Um, and I feel like they all go in with a set of questions, especially we see that so much of Thomas goes in, has, like, a bullet point of, like, five questions. Yeah answers them out of the way (laughs) gets his answers and is done yeah um which i think is really interesting because also they all 
propose different questions yeah they do yeah barrett did surprise me in this one she talked a lot about the um traditional districting principles which no one else really brought up well she's quite she also comes in like quite well researched yeah and like has like good um always uh, is really good at like supporting her questions with mm-hmm. um with like evidence given by either party or yeah no it's uh yeah yeah they're all a lot more just like matter of fact than i which, which i, I guess really makes like total sense yeah which yeah. i've been really happy about yeah so i guess next month what are we excited for um well first off really excited to talk about the code of conduct yes. yeah yeah that'll be good we're i, I think we'll we should do that. We should get that out of the way. And then, honestly, we need to, like, split up the cases for next month because I haven't really looked that into any of them. And November is a pretty juicy, juicy month. month. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah, the excited. social media cases. So there's two cases that are about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then the... Um, we should actually start off with that, I think. Yeah. And, and then, then there's the, the gun rights case. That one is going to be its whole own episode, episode for sure. Yeah. That Actually, that one I have looked into um, quite a bit, but it's, there's, yeah, that one is definitely interesting. There a lot of cases that have been kind of like the, oh no, like what is the cons- majority conservative Supreme Court going to do with this? And like, but actually, like, I feel like the, like with that case from what I've heard, like no spoilers and also like the cases that we've talked about like they've all been pretty it's it doesn't seem like there's like with the cases that are um that we've heard like oral arguments for that there's any like secret agendas like going on it really is like uh, yeah i don't especially with the like cfpb and like the um safety valve case it's it's interesting how they split up you know i don't it it doesn't this is like probably super naive of me but like it doesn't seem as dangerous as we thought like obviously Mm -hmm. these cases have major implications but i i don't think so far that like even with that gun case that like i don't think there's going to be any humongous shockers Well, I'm going to be, I can't wait. Like, reading opinions is going to be so fun, though. Because yeah. they're going to, like... Yeah. And, oh, and also it's hard because there's opinions coming out now. Like, they're, they're deciding cases now. Like, mm-hmm. or there's cases from last year that are coming out now, right? Mm-hmm. I thought they were all over. I've, like, heard new things. Like, oh, the Supreme Court just made, like, a major decision. I've, like, heard things. Well, like, I know a lot of them go on the shadow docket, which is another thing we need to look at. Yeah. That's the shadow so docket different. is, like, the back door, which is yeah. the sketchy. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. The shadow docket is insane. Yeah. yeah. And right now there's three EPA cases on the shadow docket. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy that they can just, like, do that shit, like, in, the, like, the middle of the night and yeah. just, like, get away with it. And, like, not have to go through all the yeah. details. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um okay well thank so i see here they say thank you counsel the case is submitted after everything submitted (laughs) until next time